Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not-so-favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So John. Yeah. What's the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Oh, boy. Well, just this week at the Field of Dreams, I had an apple pie hot dog with bacon mustard on it, which actually tasted good. It was like uh, pigs in a blanket. So it tasted better than it sounds? Yes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I've thought about this, and I can't really come up with a really... Apparently, I'm not overly adventurous as an eater, Uh but I did determine that I would be willing to try a... uh, Liverwurst with vanilla ice cream and a dill pickle on the top. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because it's inspired by our topic today, which is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Yeah, those crazy kids were eating everything. Well, the dog and Shaggy were eating everything. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, any weird combination that was the weirder the better, it seemed like, for these guys. They ate everything. Yeah, so I am excited as can be because I do not hide my love of Scooby-Doo. No, you don't. (laughs) You you roll in here and you've got your Scooby-Doo. Scooby Doo t shirt on and a Scooby Doo backpack and Scooby Doo socks, and you brought your Scooby Doo encyclopedia. And and I, sorry, excuse the, the odd noise in the background, but my daughter also made sure that I bring, she wanted you, to make sure I brought her stuff Scooby Doo with. brought stuff Scooby Doo. In case saw, he had anything to add to the okay, podcast. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. He's even got the uh, collar with the Scooby Doo tag. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so we're we're big fans in our house. So. Yeah, yeah. I know this was going to be one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah. I, we when you and I talked about these initially, we were like, well, we should wait on Scooby Doo, and I couldn't wait anymore. Yeah, we we got a few under our belt, and like, let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so interestingly enough, the, the story of Scooby Doo starts with kind of a dark period in U.S. history, and that's the assassination of Robert Kennedy at that time. So in June of 1968, networks are just pushing and pushing for more adventure, more action, more peril in all their cartoons. They can't get enough. It doesn't matter what the different cartoons are yeah. brought to them. Like, if it's not adventure, they don't really want it. They yeah. just want They some. want that distraction. Yeah. yeah, and it was because, of course, you're looking at the 60s, the Spider-Man and Fantastic Four had been introduced at that point with Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. and so there's and more superheroes. superheroes. Yeah. The space race is underway, so anything that's space-oriented is big. There's just... Anything to fill that gap, the networks were looking for. And, I mean, that you're looking at Johnny Quest, The Adventures of Superman was big, The Space Ghost. Um, Yeah, and and at one point, you know, Joseph Barbera had said they didn't really want to make those cartoons. They had all these ideas for cartoons that they wanted to make, but... They wanted to stay in business because right. that's, you know, the networks were looking that's for. That's what they were asking for. So yeah. that's what we're going to produce. Yeah. But. This is the only thing we want. So either you make it or we're going somewhere else. Yeah. And so they made these cartoons. So, and, and when Kennedy was, was shot, that changed immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, nearly immediately because hours after Sirhan Sirhan shot him, President Lyndon Johnson announced the appointment of the National Commission of, on Causes and Prevention of Violence. So that means suddenly there's these demands for greater social control and regulation of media violence as a result. 
the moral panic is the I kept seeing this phrase over and over when uh-huh. I was researching this moral yeah. panic throughout the summer of 1968 tied to this and saying, look, TV is causing this kind of violence. Yeah. You know, people aren't going to assassinate anybody if there's if they haven't seen this violent act on seen TV. These cartoons that are just uh-huh. ultra violent. Of course, tamed by our standards now, but of course, violent yeah. at that time. And that, I mean, that was a perfect change to the landscape of Saturday mornings because suddenly the networks, they're clamoring more and more for adventure and suddenly like, well, nope. We're not going to do that. No more sci-fi adventure. No yeah. more peril. We just want comedy for our cartoons because that's the demand. So 1968, at that same time, there's a, a man named Fred Silverman at CBS. He's the executive in charge of the programming at the network. And he's developed a, a TV show called, uh, based on the Archie comics called The Archie Show. Mm-hmm. The teens from Riverdale who just kind of... Yeah. Do their the band, of, yep. yeah, their silly things. They have a band. They do musical numbers and created this cartoon and it becomes a big hit. Right in the wave of no more violence, we want kind of more wholesome, wholesome cartoon stuff. Yeah, he he's knocked it out of the park with this. Right, and on top of it, this cartoon had musical numbers. Every single episode, the Archie, the Archies were a band uh-huh. on top of it, and they put out music every episode. Right. And of course, nineteen sixty nine, the biggest hit on the Billboard charts was Sugar Sugar. Yeah. By the Archies. Yeah. So not only was it a very popular cartoon for this year, they were charting on the music yeah. on, on the Billboard charts. So it was, I mean, he's like, well, we need sure. to do more of this. <laughs> Maybe the first multimedia empire. Yeah. You so know, they've got I, the cartoon and the music. Yeah. So I, he's hit on this formula that he thinks is, is where we need to go. And so he wants to expand it. He reaches out to Hanna-Barbera about a new show that he has in mind. Again, based on the Archies. Let's do Teenage Rock Group. But this one, they'll they'll solve mysteries in between gigs. And in his mind, it's kind of a twist of, you know, these old radio shows that he grew up with. And then The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, which was also an older TV show that Mm -hmm. relatively, you know, moderately successful show. Yeah. A little teen angst. Yeah. Mostly comedy. Yeah. And so he's like, I want the cross of that and let's go forward with it. So Hanna-Barbera's like, hey. Yeah, that's something different. Let's yeah. do it. No more Thunder the, Bar- the Thunder the Barbarian or the Herculoids or all these kind of sure. space themed things. It's we're doing something different. No so. more sci fi. We're doing down to earth stuff. Yeah, and so Hanna Barbera they handed off to their top two writers, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, and so give them a shot to create a concept. And they come up with this show called The Mystery Five, and eventually they change it to Mysteries Five. And it's about, obviously, a, a band of five teenagers and their dog who drive around and solve mysteries and ghosts and zombies and other supernatural creatures, very much like the Archies because they perform songs. And, mm-hmm. very, you know, it's Archies with a mystery to it. Yeah. And they carry up with five teens. They're named Jeff, Mike, Kelly, Linda, and W.W., who is meant to be Linda's brother. And then the dog with the name Too Much. Interestingly, too much was the biggest point of contention or, or the biggest mystery that they had to solve while creating it because they had to figure out what type of breed what kind of dog will this is be? best suited. Should it be should it be a small feisty dog that's kind of you know like actually like bigger than he is too much yeah. yeah or should it be this large overly large but cowardly dog yeah kind of a comic relief yeah and yeah. so a little bit of back and forth there is not well let's go big you go with the cowardly there's going to be more potential for kind of humor there and. So then should it be a Great Dane, this big goofy Great Dane, or should we make him a big sheepdog? Yeah. Again, back and forth and back and forth. The biggest concern with the the Great Dane was that there's Marmaduke. Marmaduke. We don't want to copy Marmaduke. Yeah, the daily cartoon, comic strips. Everybody knows Marmaduke. We should stay away from that. But 
On the flip side, the Archies also had a big hairy white dog that right, played which, in their band. Yeah, which could be a sheep dog. Yeah, and yeah. this hot dog was the name of that dog. So so much that we're so, we're so similar to the Archies already. Let's go back and go and, with the other dog. And Barbera, I think, was the final vote on that, saying, "Look, don't worry about the Marmaduke com- comparison. We're, you're never going to have to worry about that. Just yeah. go ahead with the big Great Dane." So. They're all set. The Great Dane's underway, and so now they need to come up with the design of the dog. That brings into the picture uh, Iwao Takamoto. Their colleague. Yes. Yeah. Who's a almost a legendary Hanna-Barbera artist at this point. And yeah. No small reason, because he came up with the design for, for Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So he reaches out to a colleague who actually breeds Great Danes. And oh, by the way, yeah. you, I hear you breed Great Danes. <laughs> Tell me about that. We just happen to be coming up with a yeah. Great Dane cartoon, so... And so he gets the breed standard, and she she gives him everything. This is what what a top, what a championship yeah. Great Dane would look like. Yeah. Absolutely. And so he sits down and says, "All right, we're going to do the complete opposite." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this this dog is going to have a little crooked back. He's going to have bow legs. He's going to have a double chin. Yeah. Uh, spots. Spots. Yeah. Great Danes do not have spots. No. Scooby Doo has a spot. He's got you know little moles on his face and like a hairs. long tail. His tail has yeah, his, been docked. Yeah. yeah, anything you yeah anything that was a complete opposite of the breed standard. That's Scooby Doo. That's Scooby Doo. Yeah. So with Scooby Doo set, they pretty much have everything that they they know what they want to do. So they go to the studio, but right before they go to the studio, Silverman steps in like, let's make some changes. <laughs> of course, yeah. we're ready to go. Stop yeah. changing. Too many kids. Yep. Get rid of get rid of one of the guys. So. They actually take the Jeff and Mike characters and they merge them into one who mm-hmm. ultimately become, they name him Ronnie. Silverman looks at it like, no, name him Fred. Fred Silverman said, name him Fred. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where he came up with that. <laughs> but so he insisted, they, they made it, they made that change. And then obviously their characters changed to Daphne, Velma, and WW turned into Shaggy. Shaggy. No longer, uh, no longer related to any of the other characters. They take it to CBS and Silverman says, hey. What do you yeah, think? Here, here, here yeah. it is. And, and one more thing I almost forgot. The last change he had, he did. He never liked the name Mysteries 5. He didn't like it. everything. All the concepts yeah. are ready to go. It's like Mysteries 5. Like, I don't like mm. that name. Yeah. Let's come up with, let's do something else. Let's call it Who's s- s- Scared? Yeah. The, the Scared. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You're stammering on the s- yeah. Scared. <laughs> and with the new name, which I think is terrible personally, yeah. he takes it to CBS. And the mm-hmm. executives look at it. And to this point, from a title design, how would you how would you write that out? It's so it's S S S dash S dash scared. Okay, so it's with a question mark at the end. So, and he takes the executives. This is his cornerstone. This is the the main block that they're going to build the rest of their Saturday morning cartoons off right through the sixty nine seventy season. This is our ace card. Yeah, and he takes the executives and they look at it and say, "Hmm, no. Oh, that's cute. No. <laughs> <laughs> they look at the artwork and they're like, that's that's too scary. I mean, who's scared? And yeah. all the artwork, you know, it's just like, you know, spooky looking Villains pictures. And but yeah. they didn't feel like... The haunted houses. Young and... viewers are going to be too scared by this. Yeah. So Silverman, for the first time, has been rejected with a pitch, the executive. So he's like... He's crushed. Yeah. And he's yeah. what? Wow. <laughs> How did not, this happen? He can't figure it out. And he goes back to Ruby and Spears and said, look, this is a great idea. We just need to rework the concept to convince them that it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So let's um, let's change it more comedy, less let's focus on this, the eerie, scary, frightening parts. Yeah, just you know, bump up the bump up the laughs, and in order to do that, they're like, well, let's drop the rock band concept. 
They're not a band anymore. It's yeah. just they're just kids they're out just kids solving out. mysteries. Right. And where they're going or where they're coming from, we don't care. The biggest thing that actually made this show work is that they moved too much to the front of the show. He yeah. is now he's now the focal point because they can make it funnier because it's a the titular character yeah, is a dog. Yeah, it's a cowardly dog. Yeah. Who is just kind of he's kind of <laughs> st- caught up with all these supernatural things around. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing with right. a dog. Right? Yeah. And they put the focus on him and they strengthen his relationship to the Shaggy character. Yeah. So that they're very tight. Yeah. And, and Shaggy a, almost treats Scooby as an as an equal. Absolutely. And a lot of the kid the kids talk to Scooby like he's their equal. Yeah. You know, you just can't talk as well as the rest of them. But but they ask him questions, they give him assignments. Mm-hmm. You know, the they're all in with this dog. Yeah, and he is literally their best friends. Shaggy yeah. and Scooby are best friends. And I mean, and it comes across because everything they do, they they like the same things. They they they're obsessed with eating. They yeah. they're terrified of the same things. <laughs> yes. and they uh, step up when they need to at the same yeah, time. Absolutely, it, they are they're kind of two peas in a pod. Yeah, and and what's more American than a boy and his dog? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they've got the concept altered, and so the only thing left to do is, is come up with a better name than too much. Like just at this point, like it doesn't work. No, you changed it he, as if he's just a side character. You know, you can have a silly name like too much. Now yeah. we need a. You need can't a... call a show too much. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody's going to understand what's going on. So there's a legend tied to this with the name of Scooby Doo is that the story, and I believe it's told by Ruby and Spears that on a cross country flight shortly after. CBS has rejected the idea. Mm-hmm. He's on a flight back and he's got a song running through his head that was popular in the charts at that time, which is The Strangers in the Night by Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. And it's running through his head on this flight because he's on his way back to meet with Ruby and Spears to tell them, look, this is what we're going to do. He's he's, concept, he's coming up with concepts, coming up with changes. And at the end of that song, there's that famous Sinatra ad lib where he goes, uh, doobie doobie doo. Yeah. And as it's running through his head, it clicks and it comes up. And he starts to change it to Scooby Doo. Yeah. It's like Scooby Dooby Doo. He's like, you know what? That's... That's it. That that's it. That should be the name of this dog. Yeah. So they change the name. They they change the dog's name. They change the show to Scooby Doo because it's you know it's a silly cartoony name. Right. And Scooby Doo, where are you? Because hey, he's scared. He's a mm-hmm. scared dog. He's taking yeah. off running. Where are we you? We got to find our dog. Yeah. And yeah. so that's it. Clicks and it works. Right. Now again, this is legend, and it's pretty. I mean, it's fairly established that this is legend. The only question that that I found in in researching it is um, Takamoto. Uh, in his autobiography, he was doing research, and somewhere in the archives, dating back to the early 1960s, so well before this has started, there is a development drawing of a dog character with the name Scooby attached to it. It's nothing like our Scooby-Doo, but it's there. I've seen it. So people have gone back and now verified, yes, it's Sing. Scooby. It's Scooby with a K. Yeah. And there's not really... But it's yeah. not Scooby-Doo. It's just Scooby. Yeah, it's just just says scooby Whatever the actual origin is, yeah. yeah, whether that's there, and it may have never been connected, and very well, that's where Silverman legend sounds legit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, whatever it is, it became a huge success because Silverman takes it back to CBS for consideration, and they are all over it this time. Like, there yes, a yeah. hundred times yes, this is a fan, this is so much better, let's do it. Right. And Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? made its CBS Network debut on Saturday, September 13th, 1969, with its first episode, What a Night for Night. 17 episodes of Scooby-Doo were produced in 1969, and it was a huge, huge rating success, major success for CBS. Um, and they, they quickly renewed it for a second season. They did eight episodes in 1970. 
There are some differences. They kind of made it a little more Archie show-like. They went and added the music. Yeah, obviously dropped the band idea, so they scrapped the idea for putting music in. But yeah. they still like the concept and the idea. Like maybe we can get music. a hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they add they added those into some of the into some of season two. Not everyone, but and put them over as as chase music. Yes, in, in different sequences, like a, like the climactic points and yeah, where they're, they're being chased by the ghosts or they're chasing the ghost yeah. or. When I watched all of these, and I kind of binged through Mm -hmm. all of these, and I noticed that when season two started, the musical chasing reminded me of an episode of The Monkees, you know, which was also from the 60s, you know, where there's, and that's based off of Benny Hill's little chase scenes with the music, you know, and I'm like, well, this is kind of cool, because it kind of gives it a a different vibe, you know, to the whole story. It makes it a little more hip, a little more fun, I think, and it breaks up the verbal story. Not so much a visual storytelling, mm-hmm. but it's more spoken word, how they're telling the story. You know, Fred's kind of explaining what's going on, yeah. and um, they're talking about how they're scared, and they're finding clues and trying to come up with a description, trying to solve this mystery, and it's all verbal. So then when there's that musical break, I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and then I wondered, why didn't they go back to the previous episodes and see if they can re-release it with a musical chase scene? Mm-hmm. But I doubt that's going to happen 50 <laughs> years later. But um, but yeah, I think the musical um, chase scenes really added a lot to, mm-hmm. to my enjoyment of the show. Yeah, and they, they end up that same season. So it's the same house musicians who actually recorded each of the songs. So it's always the same band each time they played those songs. Mm-hmm. And they recorded the theme song. For season two for that same band so that that's that music has the same sound like the same oh okay all the way through but what's interesting too about that opening theme is that that was not the original music that they were going to do the scooby scooby do where are you that yeah. was um that was going to be something different it was the the title when the title cards come up you know you're like do 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 and it's like yeah. it's kind of like just kind of jaunty little music that was originally supposed to be the theme song so the music that kind of sounded like the organ in the haunted house yeah. thing you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. That was the original theme song. And it was, I believe it was three days before they finally went to, they actually finalized the first episode is when they came in like, oh, let's let's change it. They did this new Scooby-Doo, Where Are You song. Right. And Trying to get a hit, musical hit. Yeah. And it. if that didn't work, I don't know. It was, it was a huge, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, the lasting memory of just that theme song alone sticks with everybody. You know, for sure. Yeah, it's catchy. Everyone sings years it. later. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and both seasons also contained a laugh track, which was standard practice for U.S. sitcoms and television at that time, but particularly cartoons. The cartoons really had, throughout the 60s and 70s, really Counted leaned on that heavily. Laugh track. Yeah, they leaned yeah. heavily in the laugh tracks. So. And do you think that was a leftover from, you know, stage productions and you counted on that audience reaction and that audience laugh to kind of carry the story forward yeah even in in you know radio radio shows, radio shows like yeah they yeah. used it then too yeah yeah and i think part of it was it was very standard that yeah most cartoons had it but especially for cartoons because it was a point for kids to and a show like scooby-doo particularly where there's something that might be a little kind of little yeah, eerier, scary. but you have that laugh like oh yeah you have that comic relief and, and you know you've had kids you know you have kids you know exactly what it's like when somebody laughs Kids laugh at that. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm they, supposed to laugh yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's now it's funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, or they think it's. Yeah, it's they might be funny, but then they hear cultural the laugh. clue. Yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of helps. Yeah, oh, it's okay. To laugh because they're laughing. Yeah. yeah. Very so it, cool. I know it's not standard now, but it was very much the practice at the time. So. Yeah. We talked about the four teenagers and the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, to go into a little more in depth, we have Fred Jones, voiced by Frank Welker. 
and he's the group leader. You know, he's the level-headed one, drives the van, also makes the traps when they're going to trap the bad guy. He comes up with the plan. It's always like a Rube Goldberg type plan. First, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then that will happen. And he's always using Scooby and Shaggy as the bait. <laughs> and the trap doesn't always work. Right. But he, that was Fred's contribution, is he came up with the trap. Yeah, he was uh, kind of the strong athlete, too. So yeah, was... kind of the V-shaped, athletic, yeah. good-looking guy with the blonde hair. and. Yep. Uh, the white sweater with the blue pants, a blue collar, and an ascot. He wore an orange ascot, and we'll talk about more about that later. Daphne Blake, voiced by Indira Stefanana Christopherson. Lovely, enthusiastic, also clumsy and accident-prone, and a regular kidnapping victim. If one of the one of the characters was going to be kidnapped or trapped by the bad guy, it was going to be Daphne. Yeah. You know, that was just her role. She um, was a damsel in distress. She, yeah, yes, the perfect damsel in distress. Yeah, and actually in season two, uh, Heather North actually was her voice too. So the, yeah. she's the one character that's had a lot of turnover over yeah. the... Well, Indira decided after the first season she was going to go to New York and start a family. And then um, Nicole Jaffe, who is the voice of Velma, her roommate is like, I need a job. Well, come be Daphne. Yeah, so the voice changed in season two, but it's a real close match. I mean, if you watch it, you don't. You don't pick that up. No, no. Really, they do a good job. Absolutely. And speaking of Velma, Velma Dinkley, Nicole Jaffe is the voice of Velma Dinkley. She's the brains of the operation, portrayed as nerdy, kind of a bookworm, knows a lot about everything. Like, oh, I took a course in chemistry, and this is what I learned. She's always wearing an orange turtleneck sweater, orange skirt with knee socks, and glasses. And if you're a Scooby-Doo fan, you're like, oh, where are my glasses? I can't see a thing without my glasses. (laughs) So what I found when I was doing the research for this episode is that Nicole Jaffe actually said that in a recording session. She couldn't find her glasses. And I can't see a thing without my glasses. Yeah, it's like yeah, some variation of that. Some variation yeah, of that, that she actually lost her glasses. Yeah. And the producer's like, that's a great bit. Let's do that. <laughs> so then that kind of became Velma's thing. Like Velma would always, I can't see a thing without my glasses. And then hilarity would ensue yeah. because she'd be hanging out with the ghost thinking it was Scooby because she couldn't see anything. Yeah, so um, she, she was the brain. She, she was the one who primarily solved the mysteries. Yeah. But then, yeah, she had that comic relief component with her glasses. With her gla- yeah. yeah, losing her glasses, yeah. and then she's lost. Yeah. Shaggy, Shaggy Rogers, voiced by the great Casey Kasem, whose real full name is Norval Rogers, and Shaggy was his nickname, which if my name was Norval, I'd go by Shaggy too. <laughs> He's portrayed as sort of a slacker, Um, but can step up and do some real detective work when needed, when he needs to solve the mystery so he can get back to eating. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's like, okay, we need to get this over with because I'm hungry and I want food. So he's like, let's get this solved. He's the comic relief along with his best friend, Scooby-Doo. Shaggy is uh, wearing a green V-neck t-shirt and red bell-bottom pants. You know, he's the classic late 60s, early 70s slacker with a little goatee Mm -hmm. and talking to his dog. And always hungry, along with Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was voiced by Don Messick. Don Messick was also the voice of Astro, the dog, on the Jetsons. Um, I don't know if he was typecast of that, but he had a good (laughs) dog voice. And Scooby-Doo, as we mentioned earlier, is a Great Dane. um, Shares similar traits with Shaggy. A mix of human and dog behaviors, like most Hanna-Barbera animals. You know, they're... They have the animal trait, uh, but they also have human traits as well. And he's treated more or less like an equal 
Although sometimes they run into situations where they say, oh, let's make the dog do that. You know, when they, when they need bait or they need to send somebody down the cliff, they're, they're sending Scooby-Doo. They're sending the dog. <laughs> Originally, you know, he was named Too Much, who was a bongo-playing dog when they had a band, yeah. which that would be terrible. I'm, I'm glad that worked out. God, yeah, and then the only piece of, the only piece of clothing Scooby-Doo wore um, was the, the dog collar, the blue dog collar with the tag. Uh, with his initials SD for Scooby-Doo. You know, obviously Silverman, when he pitched the idea, he had really stressed the many loves of Dobie Gillis yeah. as part of his inspiration. And you can see that that comes across directly. All four of these, uh, actually, yeah, the four, the four human characters human are all very much, I mean, they, they, yeah. they look like they're directly pulled. I mean, Fred is... Dobie Gillis, that yeah. character. I mean, he is spot spitting image of it. My, yeah. You know, adding an ascot, but sure. You, look, you know, the overall, it's there. Velma is the character Zelda, who's kind of the the, the nerdier character on this show. Mm-hmm. And Daphne is Thalia, who is the the bombshell yeah. that Dobie's in love with. The beautiful, yeah. And then Shaggy is Maynard G. Krebs. Yeah. who Bob Denver played Maynard. Maynard was essentially the first mainstream beatnik on American television. Yeah. I mean, he was just, you know, the goatee, the uh-huh. hayman. Just right. Kind of the, the this sim- was before he was Gilligan. Yes. Yeah. And the similarities between the two of them are, uh, they're, you can't miss Unmistakable. Them. The goatee, the hairstyle, like the kind of messy, shaggy hairstyle, mm-hmm. and their demeanors, they've been like kind of slouched. They slouched, and just kind yeah. Of, I mean, they're, they're spitting images. And so they're, I mean, and their characters, you know, each one of them has the role, like the um, little kind of determined, Fred's very determined. Mm-hmm. Daphne's a little, you know, kind of vain, yeah. at least early in these in this first series of Velma's, you know, kind of intelligent. She's analytical. Yeah. And then Scooby, uh, Shaggy's just kind of like kind of the slacker, very motivated by, motivated, motivated by hunger than anything else. Right. I mean, those are, those four characters are just tied so closely to that, that yeah. television show. It's, it's funny. Yeah, that is interesting. It's, you can definitely see how they react to things that, oh, that's exactly how Dobie would respond to this. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of fun to, to draw that connection and see see how it works. Yeah, and then, and you mentioned, uh, I mean, you mentioned three heavyweights of voice acting. Voice acting with oh, yeah. Frank Welker, Casey Kasem, and, and Don, Don Messick. Yeah. I mean, that's... This is an all-star cast. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and we've talked about this several times in previous episodes. I'm always amazed at the talent mm-hmm. of these voice actors and what they're able to do with just their voice. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have facial expressions to use. They rely on the artist to do all of that. But they carry these shows with just their voice, which mm-hmm. is just, I find fascinating. Yeah, well, and it's Frank Welker went in. He didn't. He actually went in to get the role of Shaggy. He, oh, he wanted, I didn't see that. He wanted to read for the role of Shaggy, and of course, then they had heard, and he had heard Casey Casey. And he was like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't that. beat that. And, yeah, but they liked his 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 normal voice without trying to you know, act it up. They're like, just say your normal voice. And yeah. So he, he read it like, that's Fred. That's perfect. Just yeah. just be just you. Be the straight man. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's the voice we want for Fred. And I think, and, and I believe he actually he wouldn't he wasn't even there specifically to read in the first place because his girlfriend at the time was reading for a different part. 
He's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm Jeremy as well there. read. And yeah. the Shaggy one looks like fun, so I'll do that. Uh-huh. And that kind of started his career. Yeah. That, I mean, includes DuckTales. And oh, yeah. He, he was the voice. I mean, he, he became very voice. popular for doing animal voices. Yeah. Like, not even verbalizing animals, but like Abu from the, the Aladdin movie. Oh, Aladdin movie. Yeah, the that's, monkey. That's him. Yeah. He was the voice of Dynamut. He's Megatron in yes. the Transformers. Yeah. And, he's, and he's still going strong today. He's actually still... Fred is the only character the voice has never changed. It's always been... Always been. Always been Frank Walker. And then he's also... When Don Messick passed away, he became the voice of Scooby-Doo as well. So he's... Any Jeez. any Scooby-Doo shows or movies you see now, Frank Walker is... Frank Walker is Both roles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, got this gang. We've got uh, the four teens and their dog. And they don't seem to really be afraid of anything... Until they're face-to-face with the ghost. You know, their van breaks down or something happens and they notice something's amiss at this old, abandoned amusement park. They're like, hey, let's get involved. Let's <laughs> you know, where, where you and I would go, ah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling an Uber and I'm getting out of here. But they, they just jump right in and they're eager to help. Because mm-hmm. they see a mystery that needs to be solved and they're going to solve it. So I had a similar... Um, experience to when you watched all the Tom and Jerry, like mm-hmm. you binged all the Tom and Jerry and you're like, you know, I kind of got tired of the slapstick. Mm-hmm. So I watched all these Scooby-Doo's in a matter of three or four days. Mm-hmm. And I recognized a pattern, a formula for all these shows. And it works. Mm-hmm. You know, the formula works. But I broke it out into four parts where there's the arrival on the scene and they like, oh, something something is screwy here. Something's amiss and, and this needs to be dealt with. Yeah, somebody's terrorizing a local populace and they want to help. Yeah, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's getting away with something they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So then they start looking for clues and they find clues and the clues don't always make sense to you or I, you know, the viewer. But at the end, you know, there's the big reveal. Oh, it all makes sense. Whether it's Fred or Velma tell the story of how all these clues point to that guy. Right. Um, and then they solve it. And then now it's, okay, let's capture this guy. So there's the, it's just kind of a four-part formula that I picked up that works really well. But when I watched them all together, I'm like, oh, this, okay, I see what, where this is going. Yeah. And you, you know, can it's fig- like every five minutes it's bang, bang, bang. Yeah. You can figure out who, who the bad guy ultimately is fairly quickly. I yeah. Mean, there's usually only two suspects. Yeah. It's, it's, this is not uh, 10 strangers on an island, a remote island off the coast of Devon or something sure. like that. Like a Agatha Christie movie. It is. Yeah. Here's what, there's only one other person in an episode. Clearly he's the bad guy. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it fun for me is that the solving the mystery wasn't actually identifying who was doing this. What I found entertaining was finding out why mm-hmm. they were doing that. What scam were they running that they had to scare people away? You know, cause that was it. They were scaring people away right. to cover up whatever they were doing over here. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always found interesting is like, what little scam is he were cooking up here that he's trying to cover up? That's what I always wanted to find yeah. out because you're right. You could identify pretty quickly. Well, it's mm-hmm. either that guy or that guy, but I think it's this guy. There's um, there's a handful where there's like, yeah, there's a few yeah. suspects and you kind of have to think about it a little bit more. But Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, but generally. Yeah. It, it was not written for people like us. It was no. <laughs> it was written for children. Yes. <laughs> there's always that point in the episode where once they find the clues, they're analyzing clues and at least Fred and Velma will always like, yeah, they they determine that it, it's not a monster; it's just a guy in a disguise, and yeah. that's, that that's what leads to it. And you know, they don't really. It's it's funny because I think we've just about solved our mystery, and there's no no point. Like, 
Okay, what is it? What is, what this is all? it? Yeah. No, we're just gonna go capture them now, and then, and then, we'll, we'll, yeah, then we'll have our big reveal at the yeah. end. So, like, why would a ghost need glow in the dark paint? <laughs> it can't be a ghost. It's just a guy pretending to be a ghost. <laughs> well, this this may this newspaper article sums it up. What do you mean? Let's go capture him. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> in their attempt, Shaggy's actually asking, like, yeah. nope, moving on. Yep. <laughs> time to go. We don't have time for your questions. <laughs> Let's dig into the, kind of the legacy. So Scooby-Doo's been around for over 50, 50 years. I mean, Which is just, incredible. Yeah, this is 52 years running now. And the enormous success that was inspired by this led Hanna-Barbera to recycle the same idea of mystery-solving meddling kids over and over and over. To the point where they did it 11 times over the next decade. Wow. Between 1971 to 1980, they did Clue Club, The Funky Phantom, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, Speed Buggy, Jabberjaw, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, Josie and the Pussycats, Goober and the Ghost Chasers, The Buford Files, The New Schmoo, and The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. All with that same All formula. Same the formula. Teens same and generally a sidekick, an animal sidekick. Or yeah. in yeah, or in Speed case, Buggy. Or Captain Caveman. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Who could be a dog? We're not <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, nobody wants to lift up the hair to figure it out. No. Uh, yeah. That same formula. And it, I mean, it very works. hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Some of them actually, like Josie and the Pussycats, was actually popular and actually was a really it was a really good show. Yeah. Some of them, like the Buford Files, are just kind of well, yeah. that happens. And yeah. Moving on. But yep. Next. Yeah, I mean, but fifty-two years since um, Scooby Doo, where are you? There have been thirteen total different series, TV series for Scooby Doo, and that's always on Saturday morning television. Um, or in syndication, or on the USA Cartoon uh, Network, yeah, or the actual Cartoon Network when Boomerang and things like the ones that Warner Brothers started their own. So the streaming service, yeah, it's always been on. Yeah, it's always been on, and there have been in addition to the series, all mm-hmm. these different series. There's also been 40 direct-to-video animated films, one animated theatrical release, which came out last year, which was the Scoob. Yeah, two live-action theatrical releases, two live-action television movies. And one live-action direct-to-video movie. And on top of that, there are six television specials. So that's... That's, that's a, l- a lot of content. Oh, and that's not to mention all the comic books, the video games, and then the actual the educational film strips that they made throughout the 70s and 80s. So there is a, a long, long legacy of Scooby-Doo. A, a big catalog of Scooby-Doo out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have all of it, don't you? I do not have all of it, <laughs> but... Uh, I've seen most of it. Yeah. So I have a, a little treat for you. So you'd understand six degrees of separation, mm-hmm. right? So you know me. My cousin Nick grew up in Albuquerque and went to high school with Freddie Prinze Jr., who played Fred mm-hmm. in the Scooby-Doo live-action movie. Nice. So there's your connection nice. to the, the right. Scooby-Doo universe. I feel like I'm, I'm a part of it already. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you look the part <laughs> in your Scooby-Doo shirt. I got and Scooby-Doo shirt. Your and... Scooby-Doo backpack, <laughs> which I love, by the way. That yeah. thing is awesome. Yeah, th- there's no denying that th- this is an empire mm. of, of cartoons. You know, this is a, a iconic... Uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, well, and, sure. you, and you don't build a legacy with, on this without having a really strong initial show, which right. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? is. And I mean, the, the episodes in there are fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, there there's a lot of the, the, between the villains and... The villains, I thought the variety of villains that they came up with in, you know, the first 17 episodes and then eight more was really cool. Mm-hmm. How many different 
bad guys they could come up with. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in a like a superhero movie, it's the same bad guy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's Lex Luthor every time, you know. Um, but this one, they had all kinds of different ghosts. There's a pirate. There's the ghost of Geronimo. There's witch doctors. There's headless specters. There's a caveman. Some of my favorites, um, the Funland robot in Foul Play in Funland. Charlie the Robot. Yeah, yeah, he reminded me of Orson Welles. I'm like, that is so cool that they like, it almost like, I don't know if they did purposely tie it back to that, but it's like, well, I've seen that robot before. And that's really cool that they brought this Orson Welles, who's a master of, of mystery and sci-fi, into, mm -hmm. into this world. And then Bedlam in Big Top, which is one of my favorite episodes. Mm -hmm. That villain was scary to me. I mean, I was like, it's a clown that's a ghost and also will hypnotize you. Like, how much horror can we add to one character? It's a scary clown, and he looked scary. He didn't look like a funny clown that just a kid is afraid of. It was a scary-looking yeah, clown. Evil, he looks like an evil clown. Yeah, yeah it was an evil, hypnotizing ghost clown. Um, the other one I, I liked was the Snow Ghost in That's Snow Ghost, the episode That's Snow Ghost, which was the season finale, season one. He was actively trying to hurt the kids. He was going to kill them. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was, had he... Velma strapped to a log and was running her through the lumber mill. He was going to cut her in half. Yeah, he was not messing around. No. She was chained to a log and she was not, yeah. she was not walking out of there in one piece. No, he was bringing his A game. He wasn't just <laughs> jumping out saying, boo. I mean, he was after them. And then he tied dynamite to Scooby and Shaggy and set them afloat yeah. on a raft. Like, this is unbelievable. I mean, they dialed up the bad guy in this one. Yeah, and um, that was just a... I mean, he was just running a uh, stolen jewel ring with his buddy. So, the, yes. this is the, the main character who looked like uh, Sidney Greenstreet, who, you know, old movie buffs would know him from uh, Casablanca and from the Maltese Falcon. Right. You know, he's a very heavy, big, heavy set guy. Yeah. And very characteristic. Yeah, uh, kind of like larger than life. <laughs> yeah. And then, then his... his cohort in this episode is a peter laurie knockoff you right. again maltese yeah. falcon where they were they were kind of teamed up in that movie too yeah. very much the same type of relationship uh -huh. and yeah it's yeah. kind of funny it was a cool cultural reference if you yeah. caught it yeah it's pretty neat one of my favorites is a gaggle of galloping ghosts which is where you have one guy who is four characters he's a gypsy who warns them away from the franken castle a scary gypsy yeah and then yeah. he then also serves as dracula frankenstein and the wolfman to varying degrees of success <laughs> but you're all classic horror villains right yeah but it's such a it's it's interesting because when you're watching it even as an adult and like you know there's one there's a, a bad guy but then there's three different four different bad guys through yeah. all of it and they're like how's he pulling yeah, this off it's just this one guy like who else is involved like yeah. it's not it's just this just one guy but... he's very dedicated <laughs> and the uh, just the way it works i always love the 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 spooky space kook the the space alien uh -huh. just like very that one's really creepy and he had like a robotic like sound he didn't really have a voice he had yeah, like his... a beeping sound well, and his laugh is just unnerving yeah and they played a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah that one's I, I was like that one and then a night of fright is no delight and i think that one is probably one of the most famous ones. That's where they're getting chased by these two green ghosts through the the house. That So Scooby's there to inherit a part of a million-dollar fortune from mm -hmm. this guy that he saved from drowning one time. 
and he and this guy's relatives are all spent, supposed to spend the night overnight in the house, and everybody who makes it through gets their share. Get, and yeah. anybody who doesn't make it takes off running, lose, gives up their their claim. You know, Scooby and the gang spend the night with all these cousins, and yeah. that one's again, legitimately, you have no idea. There's there's four cousins, and yeah, you don't know who it could you don't be. know who the who the bad guy really is. Yeah. But and, well, that's one where you know the motive already. The motive is I want all yeah. of the inheritance. Yeah, but you're just trying to figure out who's evil enough to scare the kids away <laughs> so they can keep it. Yeah, and that one's been spoofed uh, multiple times too. Actually, most recently, uh, anybody's familiar with the show Supernatural. They actually did a Scooby Doo based episode, all animated within that that actual cartoon with that episode. It's actually really clever. And really oh yeah, well done. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I have to look it up. That that episode also reminded me of the movie Clue, where everyone's in the mansion and there's a mystery, and you know it's all contained in this house. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, well, this episode of Scooby Doo came out. 20 years before the Clue movie came out, you know, so I started wondering, like, did Scooby-Doo really inspire somebody to write this Clue story, which I I choose to believe may not be true. Yeah, a lot of it, I, when I look at it, I realize so much of the episodes I like, it's because I love the villains. I just love how creative they are and how different yeah. and unique. I mean, who comes up with the Creeper? Yeah. This knuckle dragging guy right. with like one bulging eye. And he's like, Reaper. <laughs> and, just, and he's chasing him through a farm. Yeah. It's just I, weird. And, but it's so it's so well done. And so Yeah, some of these so names memorable. they came up with, you know, the Phantom of Vasquez Castle, mm-hmm. the Ghost of Captain Cutler, Minor 49er, Ape Man, uh, the Phantom Puppeter, Swamp Witch, Space Kook, Snow Ghost, the Ghost of Zendao. Um, and Creeper is a good one, the Headless Spectre, um, and the Ghost of Silas Long the Werewolf was, was a, a great name. You know, so he's a ghost of a person who was a werewolf. You know? How do we put all three of those together? Yeah, and then, well, and a couple of just, you know, the the Ghost of Captain Cutler, which is the third episode, I, I believe, I, I don't know if I've ever seen another episode where... Shaggy actually solves the mystery before anybody else. Shaggy figures it out. They're, they're kind of stumped at the end. Yeah. Because they unmask him and like, wait, who is this guy? Right. And Shaggy's are like, wait. And he throws seaweed on the guy's chin. It's like, you, they look familiar now with a beard. And yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's that's Captain him. Color. Yeah. Well, he's not actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> we missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and that's such, I mean, talk about something different. I mean, it's, they're actually underwater for half that episode. Right. Like, they're in deep sea diving suits and they're trying yeah. to search around and it's everything I mean, different different locations and different uh different characters and uh, bad guys and it's just yeah well that's why i said like these guys just jump in this yeah. this gang of kids like we need to go underwater to solve this mystery let's go we're going scuba diving <laughs> we have one other point too is something that's become synonymous with scooby-doo is like the bad guy at the end always saying, well, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids and your dog. And what's fascinating to me is that that term meddling kids doesn't show up until second season when it's the, the fourth episode with the the caveman, the Scooby's Night with a Frozen Fright. Yeah. That's the first time, once they catch the bad guy, that's the first time you hear it, like, oh, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah, but when you think about Scooby-Doo, you think of that immediately, mm-hmm. but it didn't show up until 20 episodes in. Yeah. Yeah, it's well into that before you actually get that. I mean, there there was one, the Gaggle Galping Ghost, where the bad guy, Big Bob Oakley, 
does say, oh, I would have, you know, kids messed it up or yeah. kind of some some variation of it, but he never, the, the term meddling kids doesn't meddling show kids. up for until the second season of it. Yeah, I think you said dumb dog and that stupid yeah, dog yeah, or whatever, your silly dog. you kids and that dumb dog. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which fit his character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and one of the, the two points that I like how they established early on is, and you, you touched on it earlier, that with Scooby, they're all they all love Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. It's not just Scooby's not just Shaggy's dog, and like, well, yeah, he's bringing his dog along again. They yeah. they, they genuinely love this dog, right. even though they send him off. Like, okay, you go get the ghost, yeah, <laughs> and he'll run chase him into the trap, right? They clearly care, and 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 we'll talk about it when we get into the ugly a little bit. But there's the the fifth episode, the decoy for a dog napper mm-hmm. at the very end. So there's a obviously a dog napping ring going on, and. The, the bad guy there complains about the dog, a rangy right. dog. And, right. and Fred, of all people, kind of just is like, you know what? Scooby-Doo is our dog, and we love him very much. Yeah. And it's just like, it's Back very off. touching. Like, oh, yeah. nice. Oh, so it's like, yeah, they're up all for very the protective of their dog. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, hey, he's one of them. And right. Very much an equal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's just it. They're all, they're a group of five. It's not four people yeah. and a dog. Right. Yeah, it's five. And and actually, that comes up over and over because people mention, like, well, oh, get that dog out of here. And Scooby-Doo's always like, who, what dog? What Where? dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's bought into it. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I also thought it was funny, the Scooby snacks. They could get Scooby to do anything. Like any other dog, right? And you offer him a treat. They're going to do whatever you want mm-hmm. them to do. But Shaggy also liked the Scooby snacks. <laughs> so I started to wonder, what are the Scooby snacks that a human and a dog would l- both love? Mm-hmm. Which could be anything, really. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they position this as a Scooby snack. You think, okay, it's a dog treat. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's just something that, it's just a cookie or something that everybody likes. Because Scooby would do anything and Shaggy would do anything. Yeah. And they're just like this kind of obscure kind of roundish shape there's not like it's a dog bone shape or anything like no. that they're just like these little things kind of looks like a oval ginger snap or something or just a round treat mm-hmm. it's brown yeah <laughs> and and depending on how hungry they are apparently they'll either do it for one or they i think at one point they, they pulled out away. for more he pulls out for four he yeah. kind of begs for four and he finally gets it but <laughs> that whole hunger thing is such a being such a driving force for them is right i mean it adds to the humor and yeah yeah there's kind of good ways for them to yeah, there was one scene they're sitting in a, a, a malt shop and Scooby wants to show Shaggy a magic trick. So he covers both Sundays with napkins and then when he takes the napkins off, all the ice cream is in Scooby's dish now. And then he uses his spoon and catapults the ice cream in the air and eats it all. <laughs> and Shaggy's like, well, that's not much of a trick. You just stole my ice cream. <laughs> But they all laugh at him because hey, Scooby pulled one over on Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. Or what's the one where he gets a he gets a huge pizza and he spins it on his paw. Yeah, he spins it around. And he just like mouths like, and, like <laughs> and all that's left in is this little olive on his finger. And Scooby's and Shaggy's like, "Hey, what about me?" And he just flicks the olive at him. <laughs> you can have that. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of fun together. Yeah. So when you when you look back at this, you know, having binged all these episodes again, yeah. what stands out is the the good. The good, for me, I really enjoyed the cartoon. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. Because I think sometimes some of the cartoons try to do too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this, you know, having a formula. Well, great. I mean, if it works and you enjoy it each time, Mm -hmm. why why try to do more, you know, Mm -hmm. which I thought was was good. I also thought that the animation and I and I discovered in my research that they they invented a technique when drawing this cartoon where they would only redraw the part of the cartoon that was moving. 
So if the gang was standing there and they were talking, they would only have to redraw Fred's head or Scooby's mouth. And they could do that if they had a hard line to follow. So that's why Fred had an, an ascot on, because they could just replace his head. They didn't have to replace his whole body. Scooby's collar, um, Velma's turtleneck, Daphne's scarf, um, Shaggy's V-neck t-shirt gave them a distinct line mm-hmm. um, so that they could redraw just the part that was moving, which probably saved them a ton of time and a ton of money. Yeah, um, that technique got copied by other cartoons, which leads to part of the um, reason that I think this cartoon is an icon um, in Saturday morning animation because it was used by other shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, that was one where you'd see a lot of the the background would be the same. It would be on a loop. You yeah, see a lot of that. Yeah, uh, but again, it was they could crank them out quicker, more more efficient, and just really the focus is less on trying to spend time on the animation but just like make sure the story works yeah and that's that's one of my goods is is just the stories for a 1969 saturday morning cartoon they worked really well and they hold up yeah i mean they're and they're they're distinctly different i mean there's a formula but they're all different i Mm -hmm. mean and uh you know it kind of leads to my second favorite which is the villains but it's they each stand alone I mean, some are better than others. There's some that are really, really good, but and some that are yeah not as good. But overall, I mean, there's not a really like oh this is just like the worst cartoon I've ever seen. Or like well, thank God they have these other ones because I don't even yeah. watch this one again. They're, right. they're all they're all good. They're all rewatchable. Yeah, and that's that's saying something. You know, fifty years later. Yeah, and the villains, right? You love the villains. I love the villains. Uh, yeah, and. You touched on it earlier, just the fact that you know, they, they go to jail and they don't come back five episodes later. And it's like right. it's like the Joker always coming back or yeah. something like that. These are they had to come up with unique and different villains every time. And the looks were memorable. Yes. Everything about them is just like these kind of like you remember the villains as much as you remember. You know, I mean, you remember the creeper. You remember Mr. Hyde. And, and it's like, oh, yeah. And you may not remember the names like, oh, isn't that guy in the tiki mask? Or yeah. Those, yeah. Isn't there a zombie or which? Yeah, yeah they're all the there. robot. Yeah, yeah, they're all there and they're all memorable mm-hmm. from the Black Knight from episode one all the way through. So yeah, yeah, it's just infinitely entertaining to me. So yeah, I could imagine when I was going through these and I had seen most of them as a child, but going through them like I was just excited, like what's the next villain? <laughs> what does he look like? You know, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember that guy. I remember the tiki mask. I remember the robot. Um, I remembered the scary clown. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I thought I thought the villains were great. What about uh, the bad? Can you come up with one? I know I you're a big fan. I, I'm I, I may be too much of a fan. I don't really have a huge bad with with Scooby Doo. Uh, I will come up with the bad, and that's that's the Daphne character, uh, the damsel in distress. The damsel in distress, and really not much more. She's just this the pretty girl who keeps getting into trouble. Danger prone Daphne does it again. She keeps. <laughs> She falls into a hole or she gets, you know, she does yeah. something wrong. They do fix that over the, you know, subsequent 48 years. Yeah. Because they, she's evolved. She's any of the other series, the movies, she's, she's learned martial arts. She's as smart as any of, she's a, sometimes the smartest person in the room. Yeah. She's not, you know, she's not a damsel in distress. She's, she is um, as strong as any character and they, they've, they've remedied that. But this, yeah. this first season, she's just kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that yeah. was my bad, too, is that her character was inconsequential mm-hmm. most of the time. And I'm like, is she just there as eye candy? Or yeah. why is she here other mm-hmm. than she's going to get in trouble and they gotta they got to rescue her and solve the mystery? Yeah. 
you know, and if you're going that route, then really make it about mm-hmm. that. Like, we need to rescue our friend. Yeah. It was almost like it was an annoyance. Yeah. That, oh, Daphne got caught again. <laughs> or Daphne got locked in some room. Yeah, or balance it out so that other characters, so at this time, you Get know, in trouble, too. Yeah, Fred, you know, Fred goes exploring and he gets, you know, he gets locked in a room or something right. like that. Just swap it out so it's not always the same that one same character and her only redeeming characteristic is that she gets in trouble yeah (laughs) (laughs) they have to go and save her danger prone daphne i love that yeah yeah. that's that that would definitely be my bad yeah um and then the ugly the ugly really centers on the episode i mentioned earlier the the dog catcher which is episode five yeah that's where there's a very clear point where it gets ugly it's the whole premise is that these champion dogs who are getting ready for a dog show are being dognapped and yeah. they're disappearing. And the gang takes Scooby out because obviously the next the next uh, victim is most likely going to be a this champion Great Dane. Yeah. And so they have they're like we have a Great Dane. Yeah, they have Scooby <laughs> serve as a, as, a, as a fill in, and and he gets dognapped, and, yeah. and Shaggy takes off chasing him, and it takes a hard turn because suddenly the ghost of Geronimo shows up. Yeah. And it is and it's this a stereotypical, stereotypical Native American, Native American who's scary, feather in his cap, running down the on his horse, you know, yeah, yeah, the whole waving deal. a hatchet, and right? It's like, oh no, no, that's, <laughs> that's not good, and and they end up chasing him to this old abandoned Indian village, yeah, yeah, the Native American village, and the bad guy, the the dog napper, is actually dressed up in this Indian witch doctor. I guess they call him an Indian witch doctor. I don't know. He's yeah. got this big head. Yeah, Indian ma- this big mask. It almost looks like that big tiki mask. Yeah, guy. yeah. yeah. This, he's got this big mask and this Native American like garb. Buckskins, yeah, yeah, buckskins, and it's just. But I mean, and he talks, and he talks like just like a regular white guy, right? But <laughs> but he's using this, uh, which is even worse because now it's a white guy dressed like an Indian trying to scare people, <laughs> yeah. and using this projection of a of a Native American running through the. Uh, the wilderness and it's right uh, it's it's difficult but you know what for 1969 yeah yeah we time, talked about this earlier that they, they could have gotten really could bad have gotten worse. yeah and, and what yeah the one that, that you and i talked about before we started recording was the the ghost of zentuo which takes place in China. chinatown yeah. in san francisco and it's obviously this character who's based in, and and they don't really say I think most likely in chinese chinese lore and speaks with this kind of Asian American accent mm-hmm. and he has his ghost goons who are chasing after but there's a potential for that thing to go sideways really yeah. quick and, and it, it never really does it no yeah you know, there's a Chinese laundry gag that is a little uncomfortable but right other than that and that that one it's very concerning <laughs> and then you get through like it's almost like this breath of relief that this you know kind of thought this relief yeah, what's gonna like, happen <sighs> okay <laughs> We're okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 we made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I agree 100. percent I thought there were potential that some of these could get really ugly, and mm-hmm. then they didn't. And really, for cultural references, those were the only two. Really, mm-hmm. there was the Native American thing and and the Chinatown thing that could have gone yeah. gone the wrong way and didn't. So I I thought they did a good job, especially we're talking about 1969 yeah. and 1970. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you. I will add this one other note too that uh, it kind of fits in here a little bit, but it's not it's not really an ugly. But so when they initially concepted 
the when the, when they got to the final four characters, when they kind of consolidated two males and they they created the Fred character, he actually had brown hair initially, and they changed him to blonde because they wanted more diversity in the cast. <laughs> so that way, they we need a blonde person. They had more diverse hair. Oh, so that way, all four of their their hairs are they they're distinctly different colors. Yeah, not skin color, not anything like not, that. But yeah, just, just hair color. Yeah, diversity was going from brunette to, to blonde. A blonde. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. nineteen sixty nine. There. <laughs> <laughs> But well, yeah. good, bad, ugly. So, where does this rank? What is your what's your ranking? One to ten. I I really liked it, and I'm glad we picked the first iteration of this. You know, season one and season two. Scooby Doo, where are you? I was a little confused that Scooby Doo, where are you? Is a question, <laughs> but they put an exclamation point on it, so it's Scooby Doo, where are you? Um, so I haven't figured that part out yet. No, I haven't. But but I, I I honestly I can't believe I'm going to do this. But I'm I'm going to give it a ten because I think it's great. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I really I, do. That, that was probably telegraphing where I was going with this from the get go. But yeah. yeah, this is a ten for me. This is a, a cartoon that holds up so well. Right. I mean, it's as good as you remember. It's it an being. industry on its own. Yeah. Really. And, and it, it is really one of those cartoons that if you remember as a kid. It, loving this as a kid and you watch yeah. it like oh no this is this is as good as it as i remember it being yeah. sometimes a little bit better yeah it it matches my memory yeah, I don't, for how I, much i enjoyed this yeah and there's components that you may have forgotten that you watch like oh no that's really good i like that like the headless specter that's kind of a cool concept i like right. that yeah but no I, so and much... have continued for 50 years to come up with new villains yeah you know you've got 50 years of villains mm -hmm. that are all unique and yeah. different so the following the same formula mm -hmm. but it hasn't gotten old yeah. Which I think is astonishing. Well, and as as we said earlier, you don't make it fifty years if that first if that first iteration doesn't work. Yeah, that thing is dead in the water at nineteen second nineteen sixty nine. We're moving on. Yeah, and we're doing something yeah, else. Yeah, and all all everything that followed is built on how well they did that first series. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know that we may have other cartoons that are as good as this that we go through, yeah. but nothing's going to beat it. Yeah, nothing's going to beat it any better than there aren't this. 11s out there no no <laughs> <laughs> this is not this yeah is this is a 10 yeah, yeah. <laughs> well good good i'm glad we agree because yeah. i really enjoyed it yeah good i'm sure we'll get to some of the other iterations down the road yeah they're not 10s no <laughs> some of them are close some of them are nowhere near it but... right yeah <laughs> yeah the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo is a the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> <laughs> we all have days like that <laughs> Okay, so Scooby-Doo was fun. We, we enjoyed Scooby-Doo. I think it's time for us to go back to the 80s and look at one of my favorites, the Transformers. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the original TV series uh, when it came to America in 1984 to 1987 um, with the old red, white, and blue Optimus Prime. Bringing back the uh, Frank Welker. Yeah. Move on from one Frank Welker. One Frank the, Welker to another, the next. Another iconic one. Yeah. And it's got Megatron as the gun. <laughs> um, he's not an airplane or anything else. He's still the, the turns into a pistol. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to rewatching some of those. Yeah. There's definitely be some good history there. And that one's actually two different animation studios we get to dig into. Yeah. I mean, so two that we haven't talked about. So very good. That'll be fun. Okay. Well, I hear mom. I think it's time for us to go outside. So that means cartoon time is over. I'm John. I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want more Toon Talk, you can find us on Twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at toontalkguys at gmail.com.